What's the point? With Anna Neal and Dan Chisholm. Hello and welcome to the third episode in our series of What's the Point Music Podcast. For this episode, we'll be looking at what's the point of writing music. Yes, it's not just the artists who are facing challenges. Writers are also frustrated by diminishing incomes. Now so many choose to stream rather than buy music. Our next guest grew up in a house full of music and is responsible for one of the most iconic performances at Glastonbury. This particular performance being Stormzy's spectacular show in 2019. When Glastonbury came up, this needs to happen. And I had an idea of what it potentially could be. It was, you know, it's a headline in the pyramid stage. You can make music just for happiness, but it doesn't always have to be a grandmaster plan. You can enjoy something. (laughs) That doesn't mean anybody else is going to like it. What's the point? Not only has he got a phenomenal musical heritage as the son of P.P. Arnold, but he's also a successful producer, songwriter, composer for film and TV and musical director. Having worked with artists such as Stormzy, Jess Glynn, Rudimental, AJ Tracy, The Pussycat Dolls, Jessie Ware and Zara Larson to name a few. He's also a fellow member of the Ivers Academy Songwriter and EDI committees and a lovely guy to share an industry table with. Welcome to the podcast, Kojo Samuel. Oh, wow. What a nice intro. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. I see on a lot of the information about you, you know, on your your website and um, BBC introducing that, you know, you come from this amazing musical background. Do you think you were born with music? Do you think you were born to create music? You know what? Yeah, I mean, I have a musical background, which is great, but um, I'm recently finding out, so do a lot of people. (laughs) I've always said like, oh, you know, I've got this musical background, but then so many people or so many other musicians I speak with and artists, it turns out it's the same thing. So I feel like um, it's great to have that. It really is helpful and it kind of informs your decisions as you kind of go forward in life. But I think that that's kind of the way a lot of these things go. It's like, you know, you tend to kind of you're influenced by what your family's into and maybe you go in that direction and you kind of have it as a party. You get I think maybe you get a um, a head start. Uh, you know, and compared to other people, because maybe you just around music in a kind of creative way from a much earlier stage. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, all I know is I've always had an affinity with it and I've always enjoyed it. Most people who go into music generally want to perform. And right. given your musical heritage, I'd have thought it was absolutely natural. So how come you decided to play such a key role in supporting the creativity of others? The desire to be a performer it has to be so, so strong in an individual that it kind of outweighs every other choice that they have. It's almost like I feel like that need to be a performer. It's really a unique thing. That's why most artists are not what I'd call like straight ahead normal people, because I think to want to expose yourself and be sort of um, the front person and put your feelings out there and your emotions out there and everything about you out there, it's not really a normal thing. And I think there's like the select few people that have that within them. So um, I don't think it was just something natural for me. I I don't think it was a natural desire. And I think as well, when I was growing up, I do remember trying like singing and performing and having, you know, I went to stage school for a few years when I was a kid. So I kind of, I had an interest in that, but it wasn't like what I'd call like a burning desire or a passion. You know, it was, it was more like a passing interest I think when you grow up in the music industry as such, you kind of are 
aware of the ugly side of the game as well as the kind of pretty side of it. And I think that like, I was just never drawn to it. And in fact, I kind of spent most of my teens, even though I was always playing music and making music and creating music, it was kind of like very much my desire to not go into the music industry because of, I just knew it was a pretty crappy industry for lack of a better term. <laughs> so, I can't say anything at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just, by the time I was like 16, 17, it was like, uh, you're going to have to do this because despite the other things you have an interest in, you're kind of better at that. I think it just kind of made sense in my household as well. It's like my mother it was a um, is a solo artist. Most solo artists by nature are quite big personalities and big people. And, you know, that's very much a part of who they are. So I think that you either kind of like go head to head with that or you find another place. And I think that you know, finding a supporting role kind of made sense in my household. I think in terms of, you know, when we first started getting gear and equipment, it was kind of like, oh, okay, well, you play that and then I'll sing or you learn how to do that and I'll do that. And it just, it just kind of happened naturally. And like I said, when I sort of was trying to do, I guess, my own songwriting or singing or whatever, it was like, cool, but it wasn't that great. <laughs> so, so, so it wasn't like a straight away, like, oh my God, you're great at this. You have to do this. Anna, did you just notice that he used the phrase the ugly side of the game a few moments ago? <laughs> and I guess there are a lot of people interested in a career in music who wonder exactly what you meant by that. Oh, well, um, <laughs> where do I start? It's a very, I mean, the music business in of itself is a very um, unforgiving business. It's a very, um, I don't know if the word is dog eat dog, but I think that it's very unforgiving. It has a lot of rules that everybody doesn't know until they kind of get into the game. And I think that it can be very hard. It's not easy. There's no guarantees with anything in music. There's no certainties. There's no security. Basically, there's no security. So you can be really, really great at what you do. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do that to make a living in three months time. And that's just the nature of it. I have to say, my first thought was, oh, my God, am I going to screw my kids up being an artist? <laughs> was, oh, no, no. What am I doing as a mother? <laughs> so, um, you, you know, I can sympathise with, with the dog eat dog and the, the, the unspoken rules and the unspoken things that go on. How do you survive? I think surviving in the industry, I've been working in it myself now, I think like I was counting this up the other day and it was like 30 years. Like I've been doing this professionally for like, how did that happen? I think for me, it's been about diversification and using your skills and talents in whatever way is appropriate at the time or whatever way makes sense. Not getting locked into doing one thing and realizing that you can do other things as well. So yeah, my background is primarily in production and writing and creating music. That's what I did from pretty consistently from the age of 14 to maybe 34. But then there's a whole other world of people that I've met post that time period that barely know that side of me because the work I do as a music director isn't so much upon creating and writing music. It's more about supporting artists and helping them put good shows together and put good performances together. I think that it's just about being adaptable. You know, I think that's so, so important. You know, the uh, the Glastonbury thing, which Anna mentioned a short time ago, I mean, it's gone down in history as one of the greatest things that people have probably seen, a highlight for many. But 
I don't think necessarily people fully appreciate how much work from your point of view would have to go into something like that. Whenever I talk about Glastonbury, wherever it comes up, it's almost like talking about a hit record that you hadn't necessarily known was going to be it. Well, no, I think with that one, you had an idea of what it could be, but it's like, it's really interesting because it's this one event at that particular artist at that particular time on that particular stage just kind of resonated with everybody. And I feel really kind of blessed and lucky to have been a part of it. But um, in regards to prepping for it, there'd been a bit of a buildup, I feel like, with Stormzy's career tra- trajectory anyway. I think maybe for a year and a half previous to that, we'd been trying to connect on different things. I think the first time I remember having a conversation with either him or his people was when he was doing the um, Mercury Music Awards. And that was a um, kind of a short notice, last minute performance type thing. And I couldn't do it. The next time they approached me was when he was headlining Wireless Festival. And again, there were scheduling issues. I helped out with a few kind of technical issues and came down to a couple of production rehearsals just to kind of share some opinions and thoughts or whatever. But off the back of that, him in particular, but also his management and tour management were like, when Glastonbury came up, they were like, okay, we need to, this needs to happen. This needs to work. You know, we can't have any scheduling mishaps or (laughs) problems or whatever. So for once in kind of life, um, I kind of knew about that. Maybe a good six, five to six months ahead and I had an idea of what it potentially could be. It was, you know, it's a headline in the pyramid stage. So, yeah, there was a really, really strong desire on my part and everybody's involved to kind of try and make it as good a show as possible. I think that any sort of creative endeavor starts with an idea and a um, a passion to know what it is you're trying to achieve. That sort of like was fostered in everybody quite early on. And the creative team had been working on it for even longer than I had. And in terms of from my head, it was just a lot of like planning and prepping and getting ideas together and different things that you thought would be good or could work or couldn't work or whatnot. And but to be fair, it, it all really only came together in the you know couple of weeks prior to you know the rehearsals that you have doing it. It's like an exam, isn't it? Everybody crams <laughs> when the exam's coming up. <laughs> so so um, there was lots of talk and conversations and ahead of time. So yeah, I, it, the fortunate thing is we all had an idea of what it could be and what it kind of could mean for the artist, what it could mean for all of us. But to be honest with you, it kind of, on certain levels, it kind of exceeded expectations because of the... Um, of the cultural impact, the impact it had on everybody, but then, which is something that didn't, I hadn't really thought that through that sort of last two week intensity that we had. I would have loved to have had that same intensity two months before, because I feel like it could have been even better. What are those creative skills that you're transferring over to musical direction? In lots of ways, it's an amalgamation of everything else that I've done in music. There's some aspects of it that are, I would say very production orientated I didn't know what the role of a music director was. I came into it by sort of being, um, you know, I'd sort of hit in a kind of, I guess, a bump in the road, a fork in the road as a producer. And I was just doing some session work as a keyboard player. And then they were like, oh, well, why don't you do this gig? And that's your music director. And I was like, 
what was that? I don't know. What, is, what does he do? But I quickly underst- understood the role. So for, for, for me, music direction is very much like producing a band. So there's that. Then there's sort of like technical considerations, like knowing how to work sequencers, knowing how to put technical things together. Um, then there's engineering type of things, understanding a mix when you're at front of house, being able to understand frequencies and understand how you need to make the vocal pop and work with the engineer to kind of get a sound that's kind of working for everybody. Creatively, you have to bring something to the table. So the parts of the shows which people are usually most interested in are the bits in between. They've all heard the record and they've all heard seen you know they've all seen videos what people really kind of tend to respond to is the intros the outros the segues the kind of additional things the kind of interpolations and things of that nature so there's like creativity that you have to bring to it also lots of organization as a music director you're kind of like a bit of a hub between lots of different departments and you're a go you're like the go-between between the artist and the musician the management and the artist, the band and the crew, front of house engineers and mon- you're sort of in the middle of everything. Everything to do with music ends up being your fault or your <laughs> so so if something goes wrong, it's gonna and it's and it's involving sound. Somebody is gonna look at you, so you have to be prepared for that. And again, from an organizational perspective, you're having to find musicians, find singers, and find the right people, put the right people in bands. Things of that nature. And you, and you have to get the right ones for the right gig, don't you? Oh, it's, it's no good putting a soul musician in a rock set, for example. Well, exactly, exactly. Like sometimes, uh, like for example, I've put together, I'd say complete rock bands. I put together Liam Gallagher's band and Tom O'Dell's band and things like that. And those are completely different bands than you would put together for Stormzy. It's not to do, it's just to do with musical appreciation and understanding. There's also that, do you know what I mean? Some people approach music directing and they think, oh, well, I'll just get my mate to do it. And it's like, yeah, but your mate's 45, the artist is 22. Do you know what I mean? Your mate likes, you know, Pink Floyd. This guy's a grime artist. It's not, you know, surely you can learn the chords and the parts, but you're not suited for that. You know, it's not. Shall I just leave this conversation now? I'm feeling very old. (laughs) Bless you. I mean, but hey, but it's the same for me. You know, it's like I, I made a decision to not. MD and be a player in bands because that suited me to be outside of the bands and kind of try and piece it together. But yeah, there's all these kind of things. And there's also a kind of a business and political side to it, which is really important because it's actually dealing with people. It's really having people skills because, you know, you have to deal with an artist that's really unhappy with something in the band or something with the music. Then you have to deal with, you know, maybe the label management and all these different things. And you have to kind of, you know, there's different things that come up that are um, sometimes nothing to do with music as well. You have to be prepared to kind of deal with all of that. So it's it's quite a um, it's 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 quite an all encompassing role. I I it's something that I think that when I started doing it, it made sense for me because a lot of that for me was transferable from being a producer. It's a lot of things all at once. Um, mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, you know, when we talk about songwriting there must be a lot of people who won't necessarily have observed the way that music has now changed you know there are uh, people who think a hit record starts with a computer and a drum loop Mm. which it may Mm. but it leads to the other question as to whether or not perhaps what we might term traditional songwriting you know with a guitar piano 
uh, a melody line and an idea for a lyric. Is that now dead, do you think? Simple answer, no. And more complicated answer, I, I hope not. Um, I, I, I don't think music or art ever really changes. I think how we kind of perceive it and how it comes across to people may change, but I don't think the essence of those things ever really change. And I think that sometimes the world or the industry or however we want to put it likes to make us think it does, but it actually doesn't. Creativity and art, a good song is always going to be a good song, whether it's bashed out on a laptop or on a guitar. I think that time and time again, that proves itself to be true. But I think that what happens is that from an industry perspective, people are chasing numbers and they can only really chase what they see happening. It's like the role of being in business is to often not innovate. It's to basically look at something that's already working and just try and replicate. That's kind of like, that's a great model. It's like, if you see something that's working, dissect why it's working and do the same thing yourself. You know, that's quite easy. But to create new things or different things is a little bit more challenging. And again, the actual real skill of writing songs, it's not easy. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not really easy to find great songwriters that can deliver great music in that way. So that's why I think people think that's more difficult. But then when it comes along, everybody goes crazy. That's the interesting thing about it. I think that a lot of times the industry likes to speak in these kind of generic terms, but some of the biggest artists are often the most creative or the most traditional, for lack of a better term. So I'm thinking of somebody like right now, like a Billie Eilish, who's just, you know, making music in her bedroom with her brother and him playing piano or guitar or whatever. And obviously they're producing it, but it's coming from a pure place. Or even somebody like a Louis Capaldi or... Again, we can then talk about Adele, who is really coming from a very traditional place. And actually the performance, which really skyrocketed her, she was just her there with the piano singing a great song with a great voice. You know, um, Ed Sheeran, guy rocks up on stage with a ukulele or baby guitar, whatever it is, and just and, and drives the industry crazy. You see this type of thing time and time again. But everybody, because it's cheaper and easier and simpler to just kind of go the kind of technical kind of cookie cutter. Let's find somebody that's really cute and that's that a certain age and then you can knock it out on a computer and you can mix it. You know, they, everybody thinks that that's the only way to do things and it isn't. So that's the complicated answer. But no, I, I, traditional or real songwriting, real creation, I don't think will ever die. But, you know, you go to these conferences, you listen to people talk, you listen to songwriters and they always say, all it takes is a good song. Every single thing I go to, all it takes is a good song. From my experience, I don't find that that is the case. What about from yours? Well, do you know, I, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing to myself because um, people that know me know that like I just very rarely give straightforward answers. So I feel bad that I'm going to give you some long ass answer to, to what is essentially <laughs> a simple question. I remember when I was a young musician or producer of 14, 15, 16, and I was doing things that were a lot better than most people my age, and it afforded me opportunities to make records at a young age, I remember this feeling that, like, that wasn't enough, you know? Um, and what I mean by that is me being talented and young wasn't enough for somebody to go, oh, wow, great, you're really talented, and you're really young, okay, let's do this, and let's put this behind you, and let's do that, and let's make you 
No, you still had to do a lot yourself. And I just thought to myself, oh, wow, you this is really all about you. Fast forward to now where we are now, having a good song is the first thing that you need, but it's not the only thing because now everybody has to, whether it's individually themselves or incorporating a group of people, or let's just call it a collective, every great song really has to also have a great singer, a great producer, a great engineer, a great masterer, a great social media media marketer, a great videographer, <laughs> a great, you know, like all these type of things, a great editor. So I just think that the problem, what makes it more difficult now is that you still need the good song, but in addition to the good song, you need all these other things as well, because the industry is not set up in a way that somebody can send them a good song on a cassette tape and they can say, wow, that's amazing. That's talent. And you're going to get a record deal. It just doesn't happen. It hasn't happened like that for maybe 50 years, to be fair. Mm. So I actually think that that statement is true, but I think that what needs to happen. I actually think that there's a lot of amazing gaps in the industry now that need to be filled. Roles that were traditionally um, held by record companies or people in record companies are now needed to be filled by other individuals. Somebody can be a really talented young songwriter, but they still need, they need A&R, you know, they need promotion, they need management, they need, they need a number of things that you just can't go to a record label for anymore because because the record label is not really going to take interest in something until it has its own following. And that's mm -hmm. if your desire is to be signed by a record company. For a lot of people, that's not the goal anymore. But there is still a need to um, build this brand and build your following and build your fan base and, and build. And building now means so many things, you know, really, really is complicated. A lot of that is done by individuals, the artists themselves very often now, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah, it really, really is. So that's why for certain type of things that are very, where you can do everything yourself, that works out. There's certain genres where it's easier to do that. But I, again, I think that like by nature, everybody's not going to be good at everything, you know? So I, that's why I think that there is actually a bit of a gap in the market, so to speak, for other people to do the things that you can't do. Like I said, whether it's, you know, whether it's recording, whether it's mixing, whether it's producing, whether it's A&Ring, again, whether it's even like filming and like, you know, making videos and things of that nature or, or social media marketing. I mean, I like, I, I think to myself, if I was a 16 year old kid right now and all I did was kind of play on apps and go to school, I would be figuring out how can I actually make a business out of this? Because I'm totally fine with being on my phone all day long. But it's like, I think if you're over a certain age or not even if you're over a certain age, if, if you have a certain level of responsibility, who's, you know, a lot of people don't have the hours to put into TikTok, Instagram, <sighs> Twitch, Discord. <laughs> you know, it's like all these things are becoming such a big part of people's business. And yeah, if, if you're one of these people that just goes, okay, boom, did great. But if you're not, you know, this there's actually a role there for somebody. Like I think that somebody can actually, there's more and more people that can make businesses out of doing things like that. So um, 
Yeah, I, I, it's worth reminding, isn't it, that the uh, the music business consists of three words: ignore the word "the" and concentrate on the fact one half is music and one half is business. Absolutely, absolutely. And the business is so important now because, um, yeah, if you don't have the business together, you're not going to be able to make any money out of it. And I think that again, it depends on what the goal is. You know, you can make music just for happiness. This is the other thing: you can make music to enjoy music. And I think that that's something that people need to kind of reconnect with as well. It doesn't always have to be a grandmaster plan. You can make it because you can enjoy it and you can share it because you can enjoy it. And that was really a lot of the music that I grew up on anyway. That's why people made the music. So that's interesting. You write music for happiness. You know, we, we write music to express ourselves. When you were working commercially, did you find that there was a contradiction between that creating music because you loved it, because it made you happy and creating music because you were creating it for a client? Oh, very much so. Very much so. And I think that like when I look back on that sort of period of my life in particular, that was the thing that got me. I didn't navigate in the right way, in my opinion, because I think that I think when you're skilled, it can actually be like it can actually be to your detriment because it's like, okay, well, you can do all this stuff. So what are you going to do if somebody that's maybe 10 years older than you or 15 years older than you says, oh, you need to do this. You should be doing this. You can sometimes think, okay, right. Well, I should be doing that then. And you don't actually find yourself you kind of like are doing what other people think you should do and writing the type of music other people think you should write and you know and sometimes by the time you kind of figure it all out it can be too late you know (laughs) so so um I think definitely in the business I think that you have to try and find yourself and really find the essence of who you are as a creator as a writer as a producer as an artist as quickly as possible. And I think that some of the most kind of pig-headed people are sometimes the ones that are the most successful because there's always going to be people that are telling you you should sing this type of song, you should write this type of song, you should do this type of thing. And um, just because somebody says something doesn't make it right. The industry seems to be forever looking for something that is unique, like when Adele arrived on the scene, like when Stormzy arrived on the scene. But at the same time, you've got an industry which wants to stick with what it, it knows. So from... A beginner's point of view, somebody coming into the industry, what would you say about the importance of that identity of finding who you are and being unique? It's like 100% to me, one of the most important things of kind of developing your creativity in your artistry, even more so than anything else I've talked about, just knowing who you are, trusting that and really kind of getting a real understanding for art, music, creativity as a whole. Because if you know that, then you'll know whether what you're doing is right or not. Sometimes people can be like a bit pigheaded and think that well, just because I do it is great. Do you know what I mean? And that's also really bad because you have some people that have this attitude like, yeah, well, they have that attitude um, and nobody can tell me anything and I'm right and everybody else is wrong. But actually, maybe what they're doing creatively isn't that great. There's a disconnect there. But um, yeah, I think that there's always going to be people that are trying to guide you in the industry and kind of put you in boxes. But also, you know, we've seen it time and time again, everybody you just mentioned, the people that are, tend to be the most successful are the ones that step out of that box. And that's just the nature of what being a creative actually really is. You have to bear in mind a business person or a person that works in a company, they've taken a completely different path than you. And as much as they might like to think that they're creative and they're artists and all that, they're not. They're business people. They work in a company. They do a job. 
<laughs> they turn up at nine o'clock. They leave it. You know, it's a totally different thing. And that's not to sort of like take anything away from really good industry prof- professionals, but it's just to say that and to recognize that there's a difference in being an artist and a creator and being somebody that works in business. They can't always get it right. And also as well, I think that a lot of that is damage limitation. And what I mean by that is a lot of what people do in a business setting is about protecting their own interest. So it's a lot easier to um, protect your interests if you don't take any risks. Then if something goes wrong, it's not your fault. <laughs> so, so what that so if you signed okay, let's just take a little mix. If you sign another girl band and you have some four to the floor dance songs and some cool top lines and this and that, whatever, and that's what you bring forward as an A and R executive, and it doesn't work. Then you say, well, hey, you know, it's just going for that little mix vibe. <laughs> you know, it's almost it's like it's their fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's like, well, it seemed like it made sense. You know, we got we got the same producer. You know, we got the same writers. You know, we got the same video director. What can I say? And therefore, it's kind of seen as not your fault. Whereas if you find some. I don't know, some Japanese folk artist living in <laughs> living in Ireland. Do you, do you know what I mean? <laughs> that like that's got a completely different look and a completely different sound and everything and it doesn't work. They're gonna be like, well, what the hell did you sign him for? Do you know what I mean? Well, or I'm her. pleased that you heard about my last project. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is the other contradiction, isn't it? You know, can you be creative? And can you work as a business? Because now you have to, don't you? I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to. I, I think, I, th- I think, I think you definitely can. I think again, I think we see it time and time again. We see examples of that. It's just that it, it's really complicated because you want to be creative, you want to be original, you want to be different, but then you have to also be kind of open and honest to the fact that just because something is creative and different doesn't mean it is good, and it's. Um, finding the balance and kind of um, getting something that other people actually enjoy as well, <laughs> because you can enjoy something. <laughs> that doesn't mean anybody else is going to like it, you know? So um, yeah, but I think you can. People recognize that they're, you know, they've got some good ideas and they're writing music, which they want to create in some form, maybe creating their own demos at home. They see a lot of people writing in teams now. Mm. Do you think, collaboration and perhaps writing in teams generally creates a better product. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and I'd say generally, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Again, it's not something that I'd ever did massively when I was producing and writing. I I tended to produce alone and usually I'd work co-write with um, other songwriters or different people. But I actually think that collaborating is a great thing. I think that's one of the things I enjoy about music directing is that I'm working with lots of people. So in a band, I'm working with four people, usually four or five, then the artists and the singer and the manager and everybody. And there's, there's lots of different ideas. And yeah, it's harder to work with people because you don't always get your way. You have to be able to, <laughs> you have to be able to communicate well, you have to be able to compromise and whatnot. But I think that if you just look through history, you look through album credits and you look through whatever you'd like, really. Most of the best music has always been written by um, teams and collaborators. 
Um, not all, but a lot. And I think that there's a select few, you know, there's, there's obviously there's a top percentage you've got, you know, that can do it all themselves that are great. You know what I mean? Maybe, you know, like a Bob Dylan or a Prince. It's not everybody that can do that. <laughs> and I think that that's, um, I think the collaboration is a great thing. So I think that my advice to anybody actually that was young and starting making music would be to actually get comfortable with collaboration and learn how to actually do that. Learn how to not get emotional if somebody tells you that's a terrible idea. You know, do you know what I mean? And l- learn how to go back and forth with people on lines and courses and melodies and being open to taking a song further and, you know, things of that nature, because I think that that way you're likely to get better results. Because like what we were saying earlier, I think we're now in a situation that's what, you know, that's one of the things that record companies have traditionally done so well. They've kind of, they bring that A&R, they bring that other opinion to the table, which is often invaluable. So I think that being able to have that within your own kind of network is really, really important. That happens a lot for me now, I'll meet with young writers or young producers or whatever. And and oftentimes they'll just ask me, what do I think? What do I kind of, you know, what's my kind of vibe on a song or whatever? And like, usually there's like really good things there, but then they've got like, they've got two pre-choruses and they don't have an actual chorus. Do you know what I mean? They've got a section which could maybe be a middle eight, but it's not a chorus. Or they, they don't understand song structure or, there's, or they've mixed something wrong or they're using too much compression on a track or they've got too many instruments. It's things of that nature that like you need other people to tell you. You can't do it all yourself. And like I said, it's like some people can, but but I think those they, they tend to be unicorns, you know. <laughs> so unless, unless you're one of those um, and you'll know pretty early if you are or not definitely I think it's a great thing to be open to collaborating there's an awful lot of pressure I feel now for you to do everything yourself yes. you have to be the producer you have to be the songwriter you have to write for other things you have to do your social media you know the teams thing is is there's nothing worse than being sat on your own and trying to write a song or finish a project completely alone. But no, but that's okay. But, but even with that, I mean, it's again, it's one of these easier said than done things because there's you know there's economic considerations as well because it's like you know, hey, wouldn't it be great if I could work with four or five people on this project, but we've got no money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so everybody has to be prepared to give of their time um, and share of that for some type of greater good down the line. You know, it's really difficult to do that. And of course, the better people in life tend to be the busier people. So as you kind of get further down the line in what you're doing as a career, just even sort of connecting with the right people is a challenge, you know, because like I said, there can be somebody that will be a great producer or a great writer to collaborate with, but turns out you're not the only person that thinks that and they're busy doing other things, you know, it's, um, it's, it's not easy. Again, this is back to my original thing of like why the music business is really difficult and, um, (laughs) (laughs) something to think about before getting involved in it. (laughs) I mean, that, that pressure to be everything. A lot of people don't realize the work, the sheer work and the craft that goes into producing a lot of, you know, the, the, the shows that you're involved with, the songs that we listen to, there is a lot of work involved, isn't there? Oh, Do you sleep? Oh, absolutely. It's 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 all encompassing. And as I said, it's like the sector that I primarily work in now is one where, thankfully, it 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 kind of operates more like a job. You know, in the sense that you know you get paid for your time. You know, if you get paid to, you know, every day that you're working on a show or a project, you're, you're paid to be there and paid to do 
particular things. So you're working as a service provider, really, which is different than being a creative or creating something, whereas usually you're working for something to come down the line. I try and that's something I kind of try and explain to a lot of the musicians that I work with who who might be complaining about per diems or, you know, invoice being like a week late or things of that nature, because they haven't come from a background of having to actually create anything yet. Do you know what I mean? They've maybe they're talented musicians and they've kind of gotten to the session scene and they think, oh, it's great. You know, and you turn up and you get, you know, you get paid a couple hundred pounds and then you come next day and you get paid again, you get paid again. And they think, oh, this is great. I just invoice at the end of the month and I get paid. And, wow, this is great. But it's not like that if you're writing your own album or you're trying to shop demos or you're trying to pitch a great song or pitch a selection of songs or, you know, things, it's, it's a lot harder. So, um, yeah, it really is a lot of work. It takes a lot of expertise. There's no guarantee that it's going to work and that it's going to actually pay your bills. I think top tip is always just stay connected to the art and really try and be as good at it as you possibly can. And that's going to be across all the disciplines, you know, um, whether that be songwriting, whether that be producing, whether that be playing, I think that investing in your art and your craft is always going to be the best course of action in the long run. But with regards to how things are going to play out, things are going to change. And I think that change is a constant in life. I think that it's change is good. You know, you have to expect change. Music is so important to human life and human, you know, in culture. So it's like it's always going to be there. It's just how and how we all fit into it and, you know, and how we all manage to fit into it and make a living also. So um, so enjoy the ride. Yeah, enjoy the ride. But again, I think like just be really good. <laughs> you know, I know that sounds like a really simple thing to say, but it's just like, you know, study the greats, you know, understand your crafts and you know, really try and be as good as possible because once you do build your art to a certain point, it's it's a it's a commodity. You know, it's something that's there to be kind of shared and sold and traded off of. So the better it is, the more chance you have of it being successful. The more developed you are, the more chance you are to having transferable skills because maybe one part of the business doesn't work out for you, but there's tons of other things. Maybe you end up not being a great producer, but you end up being a great jingle writer. Or maybe you end up being a great, somebody that's great, you might do great scores. You know, you might score movies you don't know, or you might become a musician or become a music director or, or whatever it might be, or a tour manager or a manager. You know what I mean? Who knows? But I think that, um, you know, I think that there's lots of different ways to kind of apply your trade, but you have to actually be good at something first. So Kojo, what is the point of writing music? Music and art as a whole, they're just sort of like fundamental to most human beings. I think they've been integral to most music cultures since the beginning of time. All art is about drama, you know, so it's about conveying emotion. It's about communicating. It's about communicating ideas. It's absolutely necessary. Even when, when people think that it isn't, I'm like, how can you say that? Music is always such a part of everything we do. It's in the way that we speak. It's in the way that we communicate. It's in the way that we talk to each other. There's rhythm in our voices. There's tone in our voices. That's so much a part of what being a human being is. Can you imagine watching some of our biggest just take any film, any movie. Can you imagine watching the movie without the music? It's just like the music is what kind of helps bring the emotion out of what's actually happening. It's 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 so it's so integral to everything. I think that we need it. I think we thrive off of it. And I think that there's always going to be a massive point to 
creating music because I think that without it, it's just a bit quiet. All the emotion and, all, and everything is just kind of turned down a little bit. Kojo, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, it's been amazing. Thank you. Wow. I hope I haven't overtalked. <laughs> What's the point? 